What's cracking? It's Sunday Funday here at Socks on Tap. First one of the season. Johnny Nani alongside Tony Marchese bringing you Socks on Tap presented by On Tap Sportsnet. Tony, how are you doing this Sunday night, my friend? Victory beers taste great, Johnny. Yeah. And uh, they're they're even better on Sunday Funday. That, that crack sounded crisp. So I think, I, think we're, I think it was a crisp day overall of baseball, Tony. Um, we, we end up getting a series split, so we'll have that to talk about. We got the home opener coming up. It's home op- White Sox home opener eve. Uh, it's a holiday. I'm like wearing red like it's Christmas. Um, that's what it feels like uh, for, you know, Southside baseball fans right now. So we'll get into all of that. But before we do, the usual housekeeping. Make sure you're subscribed to ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube so you don't miss any of these live shows or any of the other great shorts and clips that we bring you there uh, over at ONTAP Sportsnet. Make sure you go click the subscribe button, like the uh, videos, and then uh, jump in the comments here, and we can feature them live during the show. That's ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube and our socials, at SoxOnTap and at ONTAP Sportsnet for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, as our guy Buzz would say. All right, enough of that. Let's get into it. Tony, first weekend of White Sox baseball is in the books. Tell me how you're feeling about it. Johnny, I'm pretty happy, actually. Uh, I did not really expect us to go in and sweep Houston by any stretch of the imagination. They're a good baseball team. Coming out of this series with a split, um, I think, you know, a little bit of recency bias in this as well with the win coming today um, and then the win coming on opening day. Um, opening day wins are cool and tough, but I think the energy going into this week and, you know, especially the home opener tomorrow coming off this victory down in Houston, it has me, it has me pretty happy as a White Sox fan. I'm not going to lie. How about you, man? Hey, uh, I think I expected a split, Tony. Um, this was, um, I, we had opportunities to win those games on Friday and Saturday. Yes. So it is a little bit disappointing in that. And we'll get some of the trends, uh, early trends, granted small sample size that are starting to develop that do give me a little bit of cause for concern. Uh, but overall, I mean, this team is playing competitively. Uh, there's a different vibe around it. There's a little bit of a different energy and then you're getting contributions from some of your big bats granted, maybe not as consistently in certain situations as we would like sometimes, but overall, when I go and look at a split with the Houston Astros, the defending world champion, still very excellent ball club. One that many are picking to go back to to the world series, possibly win it again. Um, I think that's a very satisfactory weekend to open the 2023 season. It absolutely is. And I can't wait to get into some of those trend things, but, uh, I think we got to talk about a little bit about today's ball game first, Johnny. If that's if that's what the the rundown says here, I'm I'm curious how you feel about a couple of different things that took place today. But uh, we'll we'll start out in the first inning, man. Uh, you know, more missed opportunities, dude. Uh, missed opportunities is just good. I'm just gonna broad stroke it here for you. T- Twelve runners left on base total. I had a little thread running from the Sox on tap Twitter account. Uh, you know, uh, just counting these up started in the first inning. And then we left one on base there. Um, it it t- continued in the second, fourth, sixth, eighth. Um, I have opportunities for all of those shit. We even left guys on in the ninth there too. And we had an opportunity to take on more, right. Um, and shit in the eighth too. Uh, there was even more opportunities there. So, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it, Concerning trend, one of those things that I kind of you know foreshadowed uh, when, when I was giving my overall feelings on this team so far through opening weekend. So um, it, that absolutely needs to be cleaned up. But once again, uh, 
tough pitching staff. That's one thing that we do have to consider there. Um, and then also it is the first weekend of the season. So I know people hate the it's early thing because yes, all these games matter. A game in April or March, it matters as much as it the one does at the very end of September, right? Uh, when it counts towards standings and all of that. Um, however, um, being able to really step on an opponent's throat is what makes a good team a great team. And you saw the Astros be able to do that in games two and three. So that, that was just kind of my sort of takeaway from missed opportunities there. Yeah, I I really don't know the difference yet between the identity of this White Sox offense versus last year's. Again, it can go back to it's just the first weekend of the season. But some of the same things that we saw last year and were so incredibly frustrated with are still there. And I don't know if I expected them to go away. I don't know if, you know, a new hitting coach was sort of the it's supposed to be the answer to that. But there's still some of that unopportunistic baseball that, you know, if, if we want to look at this as a trend, this has been a longstanding trend. It didn't start this year. It's just a continuation of uh, basically a lot of the same parts that we saw last year, Johnny. Yeah, right. Well, that, that was, you know, one of the negatives um, as of today, the missed opportunities. And we had to lead off with that because that did happen uh, in the first inning, leaving uh, Luis Robert there at third base. But, um, Tony, uh, other than that, let's get into some of the more positive things. And uh, I'm going to call it the the Mike Clevenger co- uh, roller coaster ride because uh, that's what it was early on. He got himself into some, uh, you know, base running traffic. Uh, early on in both the first and the second inning, but he was able to escape those unscathed and then went a little bit smoother. Uh, the, the ride evened out a little bit. He was coming back down uh, towards the you know gate to get, get back off of it um, in the third, fourth, fifth uh, when he was out there. So uh, overall though, I mean, Hey, Command needs to be sharpened up uh, with him. I think that's been a thing uh, when I've talked to you. I've talked to, uh, you know, any of our Sox on tap panelists here um, throughout spring training as well. That's one thing I noticed that the the movement is nasty and you saw that with the slider. And that's why I was able to generate um, strikeouts uh, the way that he was. He punched out eight guys today, so that should not go understated. Um, However, two hit by pitches through two innings there. Uh, He also walked three on top of that. So if you couple those together, that's five walks with eight strikeouts, Um, some volatility um, within those numbers. But um, once again, first start of the year for him. I liked what I saw, man. Hey, he he was the first White Sox pitcher to pick up a win, right? Uh, Starting pitcher. Yeah. And I I liked the intensity this guy brought to the mound, Johnny. I I, I liked the, the screaming, the, the just getting into it uh, that Mike Clevenger had when he was out there striking guys out. Um, sort of Lance Lynn-esque a little bit, uh, but Clevenger's always been a sort of a high-intensity guy. Um, th- but this is sort of the first real game that you saw him pitch in. They asked him post-game, you know, looks like you took it up a notch, and they had mentioned that he had been dealing with an illness uh, towards the end of spring training. And, you know, he said it sort of just, you know, straight answered, like, yeah, it's kind of hard to get jacked up for a Cactus League game. Um, you talk about some of the volatility that he had, he's always had a little bit of that wildness in him too. With with that intensity sort of comes that, you know, lack of command, so to speak. But, you know, Steve was talking about it too. And he wrote the article over at ontapsportsnet.com, you know, can the, can Mike Clevenger working, you know, backwards in counts and, and establishing, um, you know, strikes early, um, how that was going to fare for him. And I think we had some of that on display today, Johnny. 
Hey, um, I, I, I know. Um, it, it's um, we're talking about you know guys that bring it um on the mound. Um, this guy obviously the, the, those comments that he had uh, about that um with I think he said one time would he ramp it up to a hundred, tried to ramp it up to a hundred and fifty percent. Um, <laughs> I kind of laughed at that one uh, when he said that, but he said to try to always operate around one hundred and ten. That, that just tells you his mentality um, out there on the mound. So um, that's what you're gonna get uh, from. The, so hopefully, like I said, command is one thing though that I will be watching closely uh moving forward uh with, with mike clevenger so um let's there, was, there was another little interesting tidbit on clevenger johnny first white Sox pitcher uh, or the most uh for a white Sox pitcher making his debut in terms of strikeouts since 2012 with i believe it was francisco liriano that uh had held that at eight as well um but that's pretty impressive debut i think overall yeah i, I would say so so, um, yeah, good stuff. Final line, wrap up the book on Clevenger. Um, five innings, three hits, zero runs, zero earned runs, uh, three walks, eight strikeouts. So, a solid first outing for Mike Clevenger in a White Sox uniform. Um, other than that, hey, we saw some clutch outfield defense, and um, I know everybody likes to talk to it, uh, talk about it, and the having real outfielders and what a difference it makes. And it's funny because Andrew Benintendi's kind of on the lame duck of the group and even he's not that that bad um and that's a weird kind of position to play out in left field with, with the uh mickey mouse ballpark they have down in houston there um but we're, we're talking about the other guys we're talking about oscar colas in the fifth inning that helped keep mike clevenger uh scoreless um in his outing with a diving catch there um in the fifth so kudos to the rookie um oscar colas for stepping up there and then hey in, in the ninth inning luis robert that can't be understated um because guess what i think andrew benintendi probably could have gotten over to that ball uh, if he had gotten a better read and you know gotten there and made it in stride over his left shoulder as opposed to Robert having to come over to his right and slide um, to get it. But Luis Robert, we know he's got incredible speed, incredible range. It was on full display there, uh, sliding into the dirt and made it look almost effortless and uh, threw it back in and no advancement, whereas that's when you're probably uh, expecting to see the Astros third base coach waving his arm, waving his arm. We saw that too many times on uh, Friday and Saturday. What a just fucking epic catch, though. Like, can we take just a second and sort of appreciate that Luis Robert catch here? I, I was a, I was just fully, uh, like, uh, just astounded at how far he came because he had started, Johnny, full brick, over. Tony. Full brick? Yeah, full brick, man. I, I was, yeah, this is... I almost needed a new pair of pants after that catch for sure. I mean, just how far he went, you're not used to seeing this. And, and the, the best part about this, Johnny was no one got fucking injured on yes. the play. No one got fucking injured on yes. the play. That is something that we are so used to seeing. Here's a, here's a great player and attempt at, when our outfielders are running that far, it normally ends bad and it did not. Yes, and I need to give kudos to Andrew Benintendi um, for jumping over as well, jumping to avoid contact as Luis Roberts sliding there too. Um, I don't know if he exactly would have taken him out and uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, from underneath the, like a bowling ball, right? Um, but it was unscripted yeah. athleticism on full display. Yes, it, it was excellent. So I think you covered the Robert angle there perfectly. And I guess that, that leaves me in the tweet that I put out from Sox on Tap after the game then, because that happened so late there, is a gold glove version of Luis Robert Jr. back, hashtag back in 2023. 
Could be. We've seen some really, really yeah. impressive plays yeah, from another Luis one, Robert early. He, he had another one that made highlight reels um, against the wall on Saturday. Yes. Uh, he's just been tracking them down. I, I can't wait to get to watch him in person again this year because I think he's going to grab a few in center field at the rate. It just seems to lend itself as a ballpark where you can get up against a, a fairly padded wall and, and make some things happen. The one that he had the other night, Johnny, I thought he was going to break his wrist uh, when he went up and grabbed that because it sort of was, you know, up into the fencing. And then you've got the uh, the padding and, and sort of like where you've got the yellow home run line uh, sort of juts out from that fencing there. Just I, I cringed when I watched that, but still the, for him to be able to make that catch, the catch he made today, and he's tracked down a couple other fly balls, um, just played spectacular defensive center field um, in the opening weekend here, man. Yeah, it is excellent to see. I love to see it. So um, uh, next up on the docket here, uh, we, we've got bullpen actually getting it done uh, after faltering in both um, Friday and Saturday's games. Um, pretty smooth. Sa- excuse me. I wouldn't say smooth sailing all the way through. We had a couple of relievers with smooth sailing, but after Clevenger, turns it over to Santos and um, you've got a little bit of a circus six granted only one run came across the plate. Um, You see this guy, he's able to pump 102 and that's great. That's cool and tough. We love that. We love seeing gas. However, um, you obviously saw um, that it can also lead to, a run coming across the plate via a wild pitch. And that is how uh, that run did cross the plate. Uh, he got himself into trouble too with uh, some walks uh, in there, uh, hit mixed in. And um, th- that was, you know, kind of the second, uh, you know, uh, taste of Gregory Santos that we got here in 2023. And um, I, I, <laughs> Don't know if we can trust this guy again, but uh, I guess it was good for Pedro Fall to give him a uh, clean inning with a lead there. I mean, 102 on the radar, Johnny. You know I love a good fastball, but uh, yeah, that that got away from him there for a second. Um, I'm I'm sort of curious what your overall thoughts on Santos are. You know, do you think he? You just said you can't. You don't know if we're going to trust him again. Is he a guy? No, I said uh, don't trust him yet. Don't trust him yet. Okay, that's fair. I was just wondering if he's sort of the low man on the White Sox bullpen totem pole. Well, I, I think kind of just by um, pecking order, um, th- that would make sense, right? He, he was, if you, I mean, there's no tier to it, but we can, you know, assume it, right, uh, based on who was supposed to make opening day rosters. He right. was one of the guys fighting for one of those last spots, right? And he ended up winning it over guys like Nick Avila. And good, but kudos to him for having a strong spring training to do that. Um, but Cactus League is not the regular season. And I will say, in his defense, to all of these guys' defense, you're facing the lineup that is the Houston Astros juggernaut top to bottom. So we're not going to write the book on this guy until, you know, we, we see him in the, the Kansas city Royal series. And, you know, is, is that what the determination is? We got to give him a couple series here. Uh, I mean, you need a little bit bigger sample size. Yeah. And I've, you also, I've heard uh, some people in my mentions say that this team needs Matt Foster back. And I'm wondering if, if it's Matt Foster for, for yeah. Santos, what do you feel more comfortable with? Um, I don't, yeah, I, I mean, that's Jose Ruiz doesn't look good either. So, um, there, there's, uh, some debates to be had there, uh, on this topic. So, um, all right, uh, let's the next guy. Hey, bummer clean seven 
So the, uh, kudos to him. We we get on him and we get frustrated. I think everybody does because it just seems like it's always a project, an adventure, um, one way or another uh, with, with this guy, uh, with the just kind of style that he pitches with. But he comes in clean seventh, one, two, three. Um, that was excellent to see. And then Kendall Graveman cleaned, cleaned himself. He had one hit allowed, but um, other than that, uh, good job by Kendall. And hey, pitching in three or four games. Pedro Grafol called that out too in the post game. And um, so kudos to him for uh, carrying the load. Uh, he was one of the guys that was going to need to do that with Liam Hendricks' sideline. So um, the, those two guys there um, helping lock it down, bridge the gap there. And then you get to Reynaldo Lopez uh, in the ninth. And Tony, the, the ninth no. inning was, man, just almost. It's a it, fucking it, train wreck. Yeah, almost, two, al- almost a train wreck. The, that was just wow. And we'll go to a few things here, Johnny. One, Lopez, this is his second save appearance uh, of the season and his second of his career. Um, so th- the butterflies were definitely there on Thursday for Raylo. And-, and I'm sure they were a little bit less, but still, you know, it's it's still a hard job to go get those final three outs. And we've talked about that on the show numerous times. I don't know what the fuck happened here because this should have been a much cleaner inning than it was. You had two mound visits from the White Sox. It seemed like, I know you get the extra one in the ninth. Then you've got Raylo and Crandall completely crossed up on signs. It sounded to me, and I don't know if they talked about this in the post game show, but it sounded or looked to me like, the pitch com device for Raylo was not working and they had to go back to manual signs here, the old school way. And they, it, because there was after that second mound visit, Raylo shook off Yaz the entire pitch clock. Then they like reset the pitch clock. It looked like a disaster. I don't think anybody knew what was going on. Fuck the new rules, by the way, because none of this would be a problem if the pitcher and the catcher could just go out there and get straight on signs. Um, not to mention, though, that they should they should know this in the first place, you would think, um, especially with Reynaldo Lopez pitching in the ninth inning. I think that's a communication breakdown. And, you know, that sort of sets off alarm bells for you, Johnny, because Pedro Grafol came into this season in an interview and talked about, and you've heard guys in the clubhouse even say this, how communication has been the, the best thing that they've seen happen over and over again since Pedro Grafol has taken the helm. And this is the first sort of major red flag here. How is your closer, the guy who's coming in to close this ball game, not on the same page with Raylo? If it was a simple pitch comm device breakdown, I, I don't know if I can't buy that those guys who've been on this club for a couple of years working under the same pitching coach are nowhere near on the same page when it comes to what they're doing, you know, in terms of pitch selection here. It looked embarrassing. It's one of the, um, you know, kind of consequences of the modern game, Tony. Um, it looks out of sync. It looked like some chaos. And it's funny because, you know, Benetti is all for all of this, all these real changes. And I think it's hilarious when he doesn't really know how to explain what's going on. And then he tries to, like, pass it off as, and we're all learning along, you know, <laughs> along, like, during this, like, process. It's disastrous. And it's... Like, it's I mean, the thing is, it like, 
of course it broke down in the ninth inning when all this like pressure was on and when like base runners started piling up and it couldn't have happened in like, you know, say Aaron Bummer got his first out and then, oh, it's like, okay, this thing's like not working. Taps but you it, can't goes, even, tosses what's it the, the dugout the and like comes here? back. No, it has to happen to Raylo. What's the recourse here? If the pitch comm device stops working, we saw it all last year. Supposed you, to get a new one, you're but supposed then, to get a new like, one, or yeah. but it seems like they burned all of the mound visits already. So, are you just fucked out there now? Like, yeah. are you like on an island? And, and I imagine yeah, it's because then it's like, is it up to the umpire's discretion of what counts as a mound visit? Because that's what I was taking away from it. Because, like, they were he's like, oh, well, Pedro was just checking how many mound visits they had left because they were supposed to have one, right? Aren't those okay? But I understand sometimes the uh, you know, stadium uh boards or whatever show the mound visits or could be wrong but shouldn't have that shouldn't that have been out there aren't there multiple people in the white Sox dugout keeping track of those things like you would you would think that he wouldn't have to go out there and ask for that and we don't know that's just what was said to us on the broadcast yeah I, i love this comment you're supposed to throw it throw a fastball you know like it that you had the pitch clock violation actually take place after they had already reset the pitch clock. Then you've got him burning disengagements and all this other stuff as a baseball fan. Benetti has no, no idea what's going on. If you're just tuning in with your grandfather on a Sunday afternoon, watching this, is he tuning back into a ball game again? Cause it looked like a shit show out there. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's like, how would you explain that? Because I don't think anybody, at least just from watching on the broadcast, could offer a reasonable explanation for a detailed breakdown of exactly what happened. You could say, oh, well, they're supposed to have this many. And yeah, that's supposed to be the rule, right? Or this device is supposed to work this way. But what are the intricacies of it? You got to have a backup plan. You have to have a backup plan here, though. And that should be talked about in the and team meeting here. And you're in the absolute most dangerous place to do manual science too. Yeah, right. That's that's an added that's an added factor here. That yeah. is an absolute added factor here. And I'm pretty sure they had a runner on second base during all of this nonsense. Yeah. So yeah. it felt like there was a runner a runner on first and second for like the whole inning there. Did the Astros jam the pitch con? Yeah. Ooh, there we go. That's it's Sunday tinfoil. fun day. That's yeah. a good tinfoil hat time for. Sunday fun day but after all that mess um <laughs> like we'd said credit to Robert's catch uh, out in center field for this that we just talked about earlier um, that, that helped us get out of that uh Raylo was eventually able to lock it down White Sox take home a 6-3 victory in this one Tony and um hey uh, another thing that I just want to mention from this how, how we powered uh you know into scoring through these uh you know multiple runs coming via the long ball Mancata with two run homer in the ninth Robert solo shot uh, in the fifth, and then we had a string of uh, some doubles too. Um, there, they see an extra base hit, see, seeing the ball leave the yard. Um, it's just excellent. And I, we, I know we're hesitant about using the B word here, but is the Thunder hashtag B possibly um, rank eighth in the league right now among teams uh, with five total home runs through opening weekend? And granted, we played four games, some teams only played three games. Um, however, I feel like that figure would be much, much lower um, at this time last year. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised at the the offensive outburst that we've seen. And again, all of these could have been so much more. Yeah, it could have been so much more. And that's that's what I was going to get to here, man, was 
imagine if if just a couple of those singles go through um, with runners in scoring position. It's not just striking out. There's been a, there's been a little bit of that, but they're putting the ball in play. It feels like a little bit more, especially against the Astros, who they've got some pitching, Johnny. They've got some pitching. I want to see if this power surge continues. Now, is it partially that they're playing in a dome down in a warmer weather climate um, to start the season? I think that's a good transition. Right. Um, you know, cause you're going to come back to Chicago. It's not going to be as temperature controlled and it's certainly not going to be Arizona. I'm interested to see if it continues, uh, when we get back to Chicago and some of the colder weather States where it's a little bit more difficult to, uh, leave the heart that many times, but number one in doubles as well. Yes. Uh, 13. Yeah. We can hashtag confirm here, Matt. Um, that's number one in doubles with 13. Uh, and that leads the league by three over the Philadelphia Phillies. Can, uh, White Sox have 13. I'd like to Phillies see total extra base hit data as well. Cause if we're leading that, um, pretty sure we're leading just total extra base hits. And wasn't there a triple in this series, Johnny? Um, or no, that was Yohan Montcada yeah, getting no, got it down. No, no, no triple. Um, I, I'm not finding the extra base hits, but yeah, uh, doubles though, definitely leading in that. And like I said, the eighth and the home runs there. Um, that, that's what makes me excited too, um, because we need to pop and you're seeing it from big bats. Hey, Luis Robert, um, credit to him because uh, a lot of people had gotten on him um, in terms of, you know, a bad plate approach. And there are still things, uh, plate discipline that need to be cleaned up with Luis Robert. Um, however, um, he did launch a ball, um, and it looked sweet. Uh, it's just so sweet when he connects with it because he's so strong. Um, and uh, good for him, uh, hit one out there, first one, as Luis Robert Jr. So, um, you know, it's going to be a little hard to roll the R and then continue to the junior after. And, like, I know we talked about, are you going to roll the R on the junior at the end? I don't think there's going to be enough hot air left for that. I was I was hoping that Steve was going to be here, but he had prior obligations. Um because he was, he, he said he was going to be on the show to to roll the R for the first time for the first Luis Robert home run. It was a promise to everybody, and I, I feel like he broke that promise. So I'm sorry to all the listeners to, that don't get the Steve R roll tonight, Johnny. As as a as a co-host of of Steve as well, how how do you feel about this? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, disappointing that Steve's not here to do it. Um, I'll, I'll I'll do a little short version, Luis Robert Jr. Oh, adds the junior that's in. The, adds I, I, I got to add it in, but I got to take a little extra breath. That's the, you know, that's that, well, that's, the, that's kicker for me. I think you also have to roll the junior R as well. That's see that that's going to take some practice then. It is going to take some practice. We'll 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 get back to the drawing board on that one and, and figure out how we can get that done. Um, yeah, no, I'm not even going to attempt that. It's not going to work. No, not going right. to work. Yeah, so um, it, we we're about to leave this game uh, in the rear view, um, you know, 2 2 split out in Houston. Um, one last note from uh, the game, though Tim Anderson uh, roped an RBI double deep center um, in the eighth inning and uh, brought home a run. Um, so that, that was big at the time. Uh, put up White Sox four to one, I believe, at the time. And um, uh, did not go a game without a hit in the series. So kudos, TA, hashtag set the tone. He's the guy. I would say that is is very 
powerful on the set the tone player of the week rankings here, Johnny. And maybe we'll we'll pick a set yeah, the tone we, player of the week well, at the we, end of this. But well, I just I, want no, I want to go into, for the resume. Here. I wanted to go into tone setter right now, and I think it's pretty obvious. And you could have you know um, Tim Anderson for you know that um, for the reasons that I just mentioned there um, we talked about. But um, I think it's without a doubt Yohan Moncada. He was hitting all damn weekend. Dusty Baker even commented on it. So. Um, I said, we just couldn't get him out. And that that was, uh, that was home runs in Saturdays and Sundays game. Um, he he was, you know, even, uh, missed out on an extra base hit with trying to extend that, uh, um, double into a a triple. Well, I guess, you know, it was missed fall by Brayu on that one, but, you know, thinking about it, like the White Sox with the miss, the kind of some missed opportunities could have been even more. Well, Yohan Makata had himself a great weekend and it could have been even more. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would double down on that, Johnny. He just played fantastic baseball uh not the Yohan Moncada uh lackadaisical stuff that I, I sort of expected in this series um he looks really good he looks really locked in right now and definitely the set the tone player of the week here at Sox on tap yeah all right uh, I, I like it that's a good uh, first inaugural one give those out on Sundays so um obviously this one only just for an abbreviated time with the opening weekend starting on a Thursday here but We'll check back in after the Giants and then uh, Pirate Series for our next uh, set the tone player of the week on Sox on Tap Sunday Funday. Moving along in this one, Tony, um, we're coming back home. Boys will be hashtag back in town on the south side playing baseball at 35th and Shields. Um, it's going to be great. San Francisco Giants in town. Home opener is always, you know, like I said, feels like a holiday. Um, feel, feels like Christmas Eve right now, us here talking on the show. And um, a little bit of news on that uh, start time to get bumped up one hour. So in case you missed it, I think everybody's about seen it right now. But in case you did miss it, um, start time is at 2.10, not 3.10, the original scheduled time. 2.10, home opener start time for the White Sox. So um, mark it down, get there. Uh, everything's kind of bumped up just an hour on that. Um in regards to uh, gates opening, though, um, I think they did kind of expand that. That's twelve thirty then for gates opening um, with in that schedule there. But Tony, how excited are you for White Sox home opener? Hey man, I was just looking at the clock. We got about what twelve hours before we can be in those glorious lots. Um, I am so. So fucking excited to be back in Lot B. It, it it feels a little surreal right now. Um, the Jello shots are are in the fridge. Uh, the coolers are packed. The uh, car is all gassed up, ready to head down fifty five and uh, hop on off over at one of my favorite places to be in the entire world, Johnny. I'm so excited to be back with you and all the rest of the uh, the socks on tap guys are going to be out there as well. I'm excited to see buzz. Uh, we'll see what type of crazy shit happens in lot B. And then hopefully we get to see a white Sox winner before it starts to pour on us. It's just, I mean, it's, it's going to be a movie, Johnny. Yeah, it will be. It'll be cinematic. I'm looking forward to it very much. Um, one of my favorite days of the year also. Um, and you know, it's i don't know i just get a little bit of like butterflies in the stomach that's that's the best way to describe it for me um you just get a little you know it's something that you can't almost describe but that's the best way if i had to go and vocalize it here or that's 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 
I'm all here for Johnny getting romantic about baseball. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that's where it's at. Because, I mean, you know, you get out there and you see you smell the grilled onions. Yeah, um, it's crisp air uh, on a spring day uh, on the south side. And I think the, the weather should be OK um, early on for, for some festivities there. And then you know, it's part of the reason why they move the game up, um, because the rain expected to come through uh in the area later in the day so might get some uh some of that later but um by that point everybody you think will be pretty well lubricated uh in the stadium and uh just bring your uh be, you know, be, be prepared uh prior proper planning uh all of that good stuff uh bring your ponchos bring your towels bring you know whatever you need to your jacket your rain jacket with the hood um you know get, get yourself ready um so you're not uh stuck and getting absolutely uh, drenched uh, in the seats. But if that's your prerogative and that's what you like, then you know what? Then enjoy it because um, baseball is finally back and you should be able to do whatever the hell you want there. So I'm um, looking forward to it, man. Um, it's going to be a great time being out there with all of you. And that's part of why, why are we starting the show so late, Tony? Because, well, we were running around like madmen today, uh, been trying to finalize after the game. Um, I obviously watched that earlier today. Um, and I think we all uh, took care of, you know, family obligations at dinner. And then uh, it was getting ready for the home opener getting ready for tailgate stuff getting all the gear getting it loaded up in the car so we're ready to go in the morning uh, once again prior proper so planning. your your trunk is yeah. loaded completely right now uh yeah i mean you're I, ready to go couple, yeah a couple extra items to bring in um tomorrow morning but other than that the the, the essentials are there the essentials are there i i love your tailgate prep my car is not loaded at all yet but <laughs> i have actually done more prep this year and I think in years past, we're going to see how this goes in the morning. I will probably be the last one. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not the last one to show up. But I think you and and Stephen and, and probably our guy, Patrick Kaminsky, are going to make it to those lots before me. If I was a betting man, I would say that I will probably make it there after all of you guys. Because inevitably, it will take me way too long to figure something out tomorrow morning. Yeah, uh, that's about expected, though. I think we know the program after doing this for multiple years, so um, I'm not shocked by this that. This is at your all. five. This is yeah. your five. Yeah. And while we're on Sunday Fun Day, we've been doing this for five years. Yeah, we're Sox in season. We're in season now. five of Socks on Tap. If you haven't noticed that that little thing flipped there um, when the new season started uh, on your podcast page. So yeah, it, it's season five. It's been a good ride, and uh, hopefully this is the best one yet, Tony. Man, um, I'm really hoping that he win. Tomorrow can help set the tone for some vibes on the south side because it got way too sad at the ballpark last year. That's one thing that I'm looking forward to, some renewed energy um, at Guaranteed Rate Field. A lot of people were reading Steve's timeline at the end of last season. I think there were too many people in the in the it's over sorrows. But, hey, man, that's a, the best part about opening day. It's a new season. And and the home opener is no different. I'm happy that the White Sox are coming in 500 against Houston. There's a chance to go over 500 tomorrow. Again, very small sample size, but this this is the start of something new, and that has to give you at least some level of hope as a baseball fan. And at least it does for me. Opening opening day on the South Side is like no other, and and you you kind of compared it to christmas i can't wait to be back at the ballpark it is like basically a place of worship to me johnny i don't know about you but going in there like you said smelling the grilled onions um just taking in the sights sounds and scenes uh, of the ball game after a great 
two, three hour tailgate is going to be so refreshing after a long, cold winter, a lot of uninspiring Blackhawks hockey. Um, I I just can't wait. I'm, I'm super excited for everything that's going to take place tomorrow up until probably about the ninth inning. And then we'll decide if it's going to be a continued good day or a letdown of a day. And I'm just excited for all of it. Yeah. The, the experience is, you know, uh, always good time. Um, no matter what happens uh, in the game, I think I can, you know, I don't regret going to a home opener. So I'll say that, but with that being said, I think we should talk about the game itself, Tony, and that's going to be uh, projected starters, Michael Kopech versus uh, Anthony Del Scafani for the San Francisco Giants. He's projected to go last I checked for them and a um, little bit of question marks here for Michael Kopech, just based on the kind of late get go in spring training. Obviously there's a reason why he's the fifth starter because, you know, just the schedules that they went on with, with who was ramping up when uh, during Cactus League action. So that's part of it that plays into it. Um, another thing too is Michael Kopech did have some uh, surgery to repair uh, the, the knee um, in the off season that uh, he did tweak. I don't think it was, you know, it wasn't absolutely major, um, not a Lance Lynn type of injury that happened in spring training of last year. Um, but that's just another factor that goes into it. However, when he did get back on the mound in spring training, um, you did see some velocity down. Um, you did not see the same really effective Michael Kopech that we were so excited about um, through the first kind of month and a half, almost two months of the season, I would say, last year. Well, I just hope that some of what we saw in spring training goes back to the same thing that Mike Clevenger said today, and it's kind of hard to get geared up in the Cactus League. Um, Kopech still has nasty stuff, and I just said a couple weeks ago that I think he still has ace potential and has the best raw talent out of any pitcher on this staff right now and most room for improvement. So it's going to be a tough test for him this year. I was listening to ESPN radio the other day and they were sort of talking about, I forget which show this was, you know, do you think he's going to have a, a pitch limit on him or innings limit on him? Like he did um, in seasons past. I don't know the answer to this question. And I think it really determines sort of the outcome of, of what you're going to get from Michael Kopech this year, Johnny. If he's uh, still if he's still restricted a little bit, which it, I don't know if his current situation is, he's restricted. But I would think we've we've got sort of a clean bill of health here. We've cleaned the knee up. We've had our sabbatical. We're back. We've dealt with all these injury problems. I know it's a, a late start to spring for him, so I hope he gets geared up. But I would like to see them take sort of the leash off of this guy and let him take that next step. Right. And it's not going to happen in start one. I think that's the case for any um, guy coming out of spring training. It doesn't matter um, if you're the rating Cy Young winner or, you know, fully ready to go, ready to prove yourself, um, anything like that. Um, so th- that's just one thing uh, I need to mention there uh, to, uh, you know, proceed that. Um, however, I would like to see that as well because you don't know what the full michael kopech experience looks like yet and it'd be really fun to go and experience that because i think those first two months of last season going to date back to what i just said those were that was a fun ride there and if you can extend that over a summer and into a fall hopefully that's the goal right um 
you're looking at a damn good pitching staff. I mean, shit, go and look at the starters. They showed that flash that graphic up on the post game show um, today on NBC Sports Chicago, and all of those guys they put together excellent outings and i'm really hoping michael kopech um just continues that trend uh for us in this home opener start but as for the season outlook yeah um i'd love to see the the leash off and um you know no restrictions would be the ideal goal but at the same time um you're also playing for the full season so if that means that there does need to be um, a little bit of management within there um i hate that word because if that always takes me back to nba load management that's what i always think of whenever i say that word however it is a grind and making 30 you know starts 30 plus starts is no small task and it's uh you want to be able to have those guys we saw we've seen guys run out of gas come playoffs in 2021 right uh carlos rodan he he was excellent man during the regular season but saw the run out of gas just with some past injury stuff and i know that was a little bit more recent coming off uh injuries and that was with arm not leg there however um it can be deflating if you've seen a guy really excel throughout the summer and then not have it come september october hopefully I'm all for the the management of of some stuff if if it arises. Um, if that's shutting him down for a start or two sometime in July, August, um, you know, sort of the dog days of everything. But what I'm sort of looking for, and I don't think it's going to come into start one. And I actually had a sort of extended conversation with with uh, Steve about it the other day. Is seeing Kopech be able to go finish things like that no hitter that he had last season because he can get to 110 or 115 pitches and get the job done. He's got the stuff to go out there and throw complete games. And you see him sort of ramp up with the intensity. I love the intensity of this White Sox starting rotation right now. I want to see Kopech get to that point somewhere in May, June, He's probably only going to go five innings tomorrow, and that leaves me a little bit scared, Johnny, because this bullpen has sort of been, like you said, a roller coaster earlier. But if you can start to get Michael Kopech to eat that fifth, sixth, even get into the seventh for you in, in some of his starts, that's gonna that's that next step that he needs to take is that longevity piece to it. Yeah, you said it. You said it perfectly there, I that uh, I second exactly what you said there. So um, I love the outlook of the rotation so far. Obviously we haven't been a full turn through only one guy left to go here, but um, early signs um, point to positive things coming uh, from this group in 2023. So um, other than that, um, what were you thinking? Uh, full, full go lineup. I would imagine um, Peter Grafol wants probably wants to put on a good show um, for for his uh, fan base for uh, all the people um, back home of this new team that he's managing here. Um, but um, you know, Desclafani, uh, right-hander, I believe. So um, I think we should see a pretty similar lineup to um, the full go starting group that we saw today. I would think so. I mean, it's his first game managing in Chicago, right? I think you'll get the fairly consistent lineup that we've seen now, basically two days in a row here. The only thing I can see Johnny, and I, I don't think it'll happen, but maybe Sebi Zavala getting the start over Yasmani Grandal. But 
that said, you know, that's a righty righty matchup. I, I think Grandal's going to want to be in the lineup tomorrow for the uh, home opener. Sox have a day off on Tuesday. Um, so I don't really see anything that would cause them to go uh, astray from what they've done uh, basically the last two days. I, I like the comment that we got in here. Uh, Matt says, I think we need to find out how big of a need second base is. And yeah, um, it, it's, I mean, once again, early, we're talking small sample size here, uh, but Elvis Andrus is not going to be the hitter he was when he came over and went on an absolute tear um, that, that he went on in 2022, kind of one of the only uh, the shots in the arm that the White Sox got, um, aside from Eloy, all season. Um that's just not going to happen. You know, you obviously you think he's going to play serviceable defense, um, but finding out a big of a need second base is yeah, because when Elvis came up in big situations, it just felt like this, you know, you kind of almost chalked it up as an automatic out. If you get on base via walk or hit by pitch that, you know, was a, was a win uh, in the book there. So that, I think that's something to keep uh, an eye on there. And he says he'd like to see Romy at second base um, for that. So I think Romy's got to earn his way into the lineup there too, but uh, it's a possibility, possibility there. Yeah. I'm not sure Johnny here. It, you also have Elvis Andrews who's playing second base for the first time in his career. Uh, wanted to sign here. It's, it's sort of one series. I know that that's the same excuse we can, we can, you know, go back on it, but he, he sort of is the dog in the lineup now. Right. And everybody's going to find sort of the fall guy. I felt like it was Larry Garcia all, all last year. Um, feels like an automatic out. I'll say this though, the way the White Sox played baseball, all, all series here, Johnny, you can afford to have one guy in your lineup like that, one or two guys in your lineup like that, um, as long as they're playing quality defense and, and providing you something. I didn't see anything really on the defensive side outside of, you know, minor miscues, but even Tim Anderson had one. Um, it's This guy's a professional. I think he's going to be around here at second base, uh, sort of come hell or high water, unless he's like, you know, hitting 100 when it comes to May and we can sit there and say, okay, now we have a problem. But again, this was a, you know, low risk, high reward signing. I think they're going to ride it out for a little while. I don't think that we have to go to, uh, you know, extremes at the moment to sort of figure that out. If when you look at positional need and, and Oscar Colas sort of really solidified that right field spot, earning this job and, and has played with a great intensity uh, so far, so when you look at this come June, July, I know Steve says they're going to fire sale it off and it's rebuild 3.0. I look at it from the other side. What are your two biggest needs right now? One might be second base. The other is probably stack that bullpen or depending on the health of the starting core. You're going to give people aneurysms just with, yeah, I know yeah. that. I know that we've, with what we've seen, you're right in saying that, but it's funny just Whenever the word bullpens mentioned, the, it's it's a, a hot topic. It's a red flag. Like, resource right, allocation. Resource allocation. Yeah, yeah. Go get a reliever for you know. I don't want to take on the the no. three years of Jake Diekman, uh this season. I'd like to go out and get a high impact guy, um, like a Craig Kimbrell, right? And let's go down that experience again. <laughs> but seriously, though, we've said it a million times here, Johnny. That was the right move at the time, right. What else do the White Sox really have to go out and get right now? Health abiding. 
second base and 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 bullpen like everything yeah. else it, sort of feels any, in place any injuries that arise will help determine that too um i think because even if they're you know hopefully if any i mean it's come on it's 162 game grind there's going to be injuries you can't say the white Sox are, are going to be healthy all year top to bottom that's not going to happen um but the, you know, when you're talking about position players, it's if someone's dinged up, if someone's legs are starting to feel it, you know, early on, where, where are those needs that that will be another factor uh, that comes into play there. But you you nailed it positionally there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just the two two split with Houston that I'm feeling pretty good on this. But it it seems to me like this is the most sort of set that like, positionally set that the White Sox have been throughout the entire rebuild into quote unquote competitive window era. You have a left fielder. You have a right fielder. Luis Robert is cemented into center field as long as he is healthy. Then you look around the 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 infield. You've got Andrew Vaughn playing his natural position now, backed up by Gavin Sheets. You've got depth. You look at shortstop, that's Tim Anderson. And part of the reason that Elvis Andrews is on this team is he can go spell Tim Anderson, and you've got depth with Romy there to go slot into second base for a game. Yoan Moncada is sort of backed up by Jake Berger, who can come in and swing a hot bat. We saw him do that last year. Catcher, I would argue right now, and I love the start that Seppi Zavala's had, um, obviously already leaving the yard, but he's defensively sort of sound. And then we talked about it in the season preview show, sort of my key, Yasmani Grandal is going to have to carry the load here. If that doesn't happen, that third sort of issue that I see, positionally at least, would be maybe going out and trying to grab a catcher at the trade deadline if you're in a competitive spot. But overall, you can't say that about any other season that we've come into. There were multiple holes. There were multiple question marks all over the diamond, and, and there was no backup plans to anything. I know the minor league depth ain't great, but – Shit, dude, like you can't yeah. really look at this and, and poke a hole into like what happens if this goes down? Well, you can slap this guy here and, and there's some more there, versatility. There's yeah, there's some depth, though. I, I think that, you know, we talk about um, the legitimate like quality depth. And that's, you know, something that Steve likes to harp on with the Dodgers. And he's right. He's right on that front because they do it well and they acquire guys that are able to step in and fill in effectively and once again we're talking very very small sample size here first series of the season um but you know with that it's you don't know exactly what the outfield fill-ins will be you know what we saw Romy in to start the uh the opener against a lefty um in there and that was just because Colas is a lefty Romy hits righty um that, that was the um handedness matchup that was played um but you, you're you, you're gonna have to see more from that and are those guys actually quality depth so the depth's not proven there um but there are names there, there there's names there <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's all you can sort of ask for right now, right? Obviously, there's a plethora of opportunities to go out and get people over the past offseason that have already come and gone. But for right now, um, I like the way the team has played, and I think that they've got backup plans all over the place um, uh, across the diamond. And that's why when I say bullpen, it, it's going to be a that's so White Sox thing, isn't it? Isn't it going to be that oh my God, why are we going out and acquiring these two bullpen arms right here? But I just have no faith in, in sort of where we're at right now. And maybe it's just sort of 
has this an exclamation point on it because Liam Hendricks is not there to be that ninth inning guy. More bullpen depth. Yeah. All of it. I hate that we're here. I hate trade that we're talking it, about everyone for relievers. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but it's, it's, you know, it's fun. It's exciting. And that's what a new season does. It, it breathes, you know, um, the life of hope springs eternal. That, that's always the term um, that, that's used in many baseball hype video um, to entering opening day and home openers and all of that good stuff. So um, that, that's why we're here. That's why we're talking about this. We've enjoyed having you here on Sunday, fun day with socks on tap. Once again, make sure you're subscribed to on tap sports on, on YouTube, join the comments. We've had some great, um uh, uh commentary coming in through here just scrolling back through yeah um great having combos with you guys but the way to do that get yourself featured um like that uh go subscribe on tips force on youtube comment in here during the live shows we'll feature the comments um and then also follow social media at socks on tap at on tap sportsnet so um tony as we kind of wind down here on this edition of sunday funday um man Got home opener tomorrow. Um, we, we've got a finally break in the schedule. I think that's one thing, too, that I just wanted to, the last kind of touch on here. And that's we kind of went in hard because the first time, you know, we was kind of, you know, you, you were without it all off season, Then you got to let it all out right um, immediately. And we're going to give, you know, raw emotion and um, how we feel about everything. And everybody's going to do that um, on, no matter what, I think, no matter the opponent either. But also have to remember the, the caliber of opponent that you're playing. One, one of the very best uh, teams in the league that you just took on there for four games. And now you're going to get some shorter series, more normal series, three gamers um, against the Giants. And it's not a knock against them, um, but they're just not on the same tier as the Astros. Um, they're a couple seasons removed from that kind of, you know, uh, massive 107 game surge um, that they had. Um, and then you got the Pirates, who are a rebuilding team that you'll go and see, but that's also a road series. It's cold weather. Once again, there. Um, just kind of looking ahead on the schedule here, but I'm excited to not see Jordan Alvarez. I'm excited to not see Kyle Tucker. I'm excited to not see Alex Bregman. I'm excited to not see some of those depth guys like that, you know, uh, who's filling in for uh, El Tuve Hensley feel like he came up in a couple of spots this weekend. It just, they, they just turn him out there. It's an absolute factory. They turn him out and not, not even to mention their pitchers from Valdez, Christian Javier, um, you know, uh, Urquidy, uh, Garcia that we saw today. It's an absolute murderer's row. And you're going to face the back end of some rotation um, here coming up too. So I'm looking forward to that and seeing how the White Sox can handle that. Yeah. Keep those bats hot. Keep them warm. Um, that's that's what I want to see. This offense uh, and this starting pitching have been fantastic uh, to start this season, man. I just want to see it continue when it comes back to Chicago. Excited to get out to the ballpark and watch it in person uh, for the first time this season. I don't know about you, but I'll just go out and say it. When you look at the caliber of opponents that we're coming up here in the next two se- or two series, this should be a springboard. This should be the continuation of the set the tone. You went into Houston. What I want, what I want to see is this team not take its foot off the gas and just go win both of these upcoming series here. And when we when we're talking, I know the twins have, have gotten off to a hot start. When we're talking again next Sunday. I'd like the Sox to be sitting atop that AL Central. I would too. I would as well. Um, and I th- love the word springboard. Uh, that's a great word there. And that is 
100% what these next two series should be um, because I would think the White Sox can handle both teams. And I would say two out of three from both teams is realistic and shit. You know, you should sit here and say, oh, yeah, they should absolutely sweep the Pirates. Everybody should sweep the Pirates. But that's it's baseball. <laughs> that was going to happen. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that a good springboard talking about that. If you got a good bounce off of it, two of three from each would be a real, real nice jump. Yeah, and I think that that should be potentially just enough. Barring some real ridiculousness from the Minnesota Twins, I think that that puts you uh, close to the top, if not, you know, just second place there. Let's let's start to build that padding on that 500 number over these next two series. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, we, we want to get above there and stay above there. Um, I think that's big because so many times last year um, we talked about approaching, approaching 500 and then finally getting there. And it was like, oh, yeah, and then it fell off, fell off and fall behind again and then creep back up to it. And that was part of the roller coaster ride that was 2022. Let's leave that behind. Leave it in 2022 um, and, you know, start to, you know, like I said, a term that I used earlier, step on some throats of opponents that's what can separate good teams from you know make a good team a great team the ability to do that i'd love to see them show that show that clutch ability um because we we know that these guys have talent there there's no question about it but with the lack of you know collective success from the core you're it leaves you wondering what's missing from this group and it says another piece and sure you can always go and add and add depth to your roster and insulation and lineup protection and all of that good stuff. But another thing is you need to see them just nut up and do it right and do it consistently. And that's what players on the Astros do. That's what Jordan Alvarez does. He's a killer. Every time he comes up there, Kyle Tucker, he's a killer. You know, Jose Altuve, when he's healthy, I know he wasn't in this weekend, but he's a killer. And I want to see some of our guys have that killer mentality. I want to see Yohan Moncada continue to do what he's doing and develop that. Yes. It's damn the, it's the sixth, it's the sixth tool. Yes. Yes. It's the sixth tool. That's and it. And that's, that's exactly what this team needs to develop. Yep. Man, I think that's a great place uh, to leave this episode of Sunday Funday um, off at as we're approaching the hour mark here. So it's about time to sign off, um, get our sleep, excuse me, not sleep, probably just stay up and, uh, you know, <laughs> continue about. to pound Budweiser's yeah. and, and Bush Lights <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> until we're in the, in the lots tomorrow. Stay up and continue to have the butterflies about what tomorrow will bring. Um, but man, it's a holiday on the South side. Looking forward to seeing the South side faithful back out there at the rate. It's going to be a blast. We're looking forward to being out there. So Tony, that's about all I've got for this episode of Sox on tap until next time. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. <laughs>